your student is going to live on campus, they will need twin extra-long sheets. The first thing people get wrong. The first thing people get freaked out about. The majority of students who enroll in college don't graduate in four years. Is my kid going to make friends? Are they going to fit in? Are they going to find their people at college? Are they going to fail a class? Between Beth and I, we have worked in higher education for 50 years. We really think that there's some opportunity for some great dialogue. From Pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network, it's Twin XL, the podcast. Now here's your hosts, Laura DeVoe and Beth Grampetro. You walk into your office and you see the, the light flashing. I hate that. I hate that. And you pick it up and you, <laughs> and you turn it on and you say, you have 14 voicemail messages. Is this hell? Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I, I start listening to them. And there was a very booming voice. And it's like, my name is Dr. Reverend Sergeant. And I'm not going to say the name because it would be wrong. And I am on my way. (laughs) And I am on my way to your campus to kill my son. (laughs) So I listened to all of them. And every voicemail message was from the same father. Which makes it better. Which makes it better. And... He was close. He was coming from New Jersey, and he was close coming to Boston from New Jersey. And every one, I am now at the Merritt Turnpike, and I am letting you know I am still coming to your campus to kill my son. Oh my word! So, <clears throat> today's theme <laughs> is murder. Is no. murder <laughs> your child? Today's theme is all about why you're going to call the campus why we're not going to tell you anything, and why you're going to get frustrated about it. Um, It's otherwise known as FERPA, why your kids screw up, and uh, why they lie to you. So uh, in the studio today, we have a guest. We bring our first twin XL guest, Beth Devonshire. You're the first. Yay! And uh, (laughs) thank you, Dave. (laughs) Um, And... uh, Beth is a consultant with uh, Dolores Stafford and Associates. Beth, why don't you uh, introduce yourself? Sure. So thanks for having me. Uh, as Laura said, I'm a consultant for D. Stafford and Associates. But prior to that, I worked in higher ed for over uh, a decade, mostly in student affairs, doing conduct work or working with BIT teams, threat assessment teams, all that fun stuff. So I was the person who, who would call and say, why is my son being thrown out of school? You have to tell me everything. And I'd say... Sorry, I can't. <laughs> so lots of love was was thrown my way. Yeah. So you were you were very you were muy popular. I was. Yes. I was. I I had many a change dot org petition. Yes. So. <laughs> oh, that's a, that's an achievement. I, I don't yeah. think anyone's ever done that for me. Well, good for you. I know. Congrats <laughs> all around. Congrats all around. So today we're going to talk about something called FERPA. It's the uh, Federal Education Right to Right and Cut Privacy Act. Okay. That's not the name of Family it. Family <laughs> Educational Right and Privacy Act. I always mess it up, but it's if you actually read the whole thing, it mm-hmm. is a chunky piece of paper. Okay, mm-hmm. it is like Manhattan phone books type type stuff, and. Um, the thing about it is that it was created, um, and it's a federal law that protects the privacy of student records, okay? And it applies K through 12, as well as higher education. And what kind of messes with parents' heads is in K through 12, you had access to everything, yep. okay? I get emails 
literally daily from my my kids' parents. Um, kids' parent, I am my parent. Um, from my kids' teachers. From um, I'm actually in their portal. So when a teacher updates a, an assignment, I know what the assignment is. I have way more information than I need. Mm-hmm. And then your kid graduates from col- from high school, going to college, and what happens? You get nothing. So you're going cold turkey. And that's really hard for parents to understand. Um, Beth Devonshire, it's like I'm sitting here, it's like between two ferns, right? <laughs> and I'm between two Beths. Um, tell us, the, is there a why behind this? Why is that? Why is FERPA there? I think it is to protect students' rights, yep. you know, and just that we can't willy-nilly talk about our students and gossip and for privacy reasons as well. I think it mirrors HIPAA in some ways that, you know, were faculty and staff. I think it really was geared towards K through 12 and what folks were hearing and, and saying about their students and making sure that the students had some rights. I think what also is exacerbating the pushback from some parents now is those who have worked with their students for 504 plans or IEP plans, they are even more involved in their mm-hmm. students. And then they come to us and we can't share anything regardless of their status as being registered with the Disability Services Office. And I think that that also compounds the frustration that parents have as well. Yep. And since you brought up HIPAA, Beth Grampetro, <laughs> my co-host, yes. um, HIPAA is something that I think that parents think that the, maybe the health center is actually on the campus is uh, a bolding to HIPAA, mm-hmm. but Tell them, like, clarify that for parents. So that's confusing because most of us out in the world are more familiar with HIPAA because HIPAA applies to our records with any medical provider we see in just in our lives um, now. But um, in most cases, FERPA supersedes HIPAA on the college campus. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> any record kept by a medical provider or a counseling provider for a student in their time as a student using a counseling or health service on campus, that's considered part of the educational record and is therefore covered by FERPA. Mm -hmm. In practice, it doesn't make a big difference to parents because it still means that in order to know anything about what's going on with your student, you would need your student's consent. Mm -hmm. Specific to health and counseling, um, there's also professional... Um, standards by which a nurse practitioner or doctor or therapist is not going to share stuff about their patient because that's that, that's not what right. they do. Um, that's privacy laws outside of any of this. Mm-hmm. So um, the other interesting thing I think that parents don't necessarily realize, and I may be skipping ahead a little bit, but we'll talk, um, is that even if your student signs a consent form to say, yes, the college may communicate with my parents or yes, my doctor who I see may communicate with my parents, it doesn't necessarily mean that anyone from the college is going to call the parents that they have to, or that they're going to call the parents like all the time, like mm-hmm. a daily update of like, hi, Laura, it's, yeah. you know, it's best from your daughter's college again. And I'm just here with the daily update. That's yeah. not how it and, works. And I've had that conversation. I've said, I've had parents say, I've had my child <laughs> sign that FERPA form mm-hmm. and I have gotten no phone calls from you. Correct. Because we're not going to call you. We're not going to proactively call you. Well, I think it just establishes a high level of duty of care, too, Mm -hmm. which I I, Mm -hmm. I don't think that colleges, especially as dwindling um, resources, I mean, that is a whole additional position that would need to be created. And there are colleges that can provide that service. However, 
most are not. Right. And you have to sign up for and, it. And there's a difference between concierge service versus the services that maybe people are thinking about. There are some colleges out there that are these concierge yeah. colleges, which I have I have some major issues with. Um, <laughs> you know, um, this is not club med. This is higher education to expect that someone's going to be making, you know, reservations for you at a local restaurant just blows my mind. Right. Like you have an app on your phone. It's called Open Table. Use it. You know, well, and developmentally yeah. speaking, for, for those listeners who listened to our first episode about how you should prepare your student to go away to college, these are like to have someone calling you every day to tell you how your student's doing or checking in with them every day to make sure they're doing things like making appointments or making whatever it might be is not helping them to grow and learn and become a functional adult mm -hmm. by the time right. they graduate. Right. And we talked about in the first episode, too, about bills and about finances. Mm -hmm. and, and FERPA, I think that's where you really get your first collision with FERPA, is this idea of, is, is the bill okay? Can't, it's, it's not your know. bill. Yeah. It is not your bill. It is your child's bill. And so... As you, you know, go back, if you haven't listened to the first episode, go back and listen to the first episode because we talk about that idea of fiscally setting expectations with your kid. And some of that, we did talk a lot in that episode about budgets and about spending money and that mm -hmm. sort of thing, but really need to talk about paying the bill on time and knowing what you're paying. Well, and I think, and that also leads to the confusion of, I pay this bill, why can't I get mm -hmm. access to my child's records? Right. And that's really where it comes up. Yeah. And and that's where the people that's the that's where the collision yep. initially happens. Um and so, you know, I think we're we're going to take a break, but after the break we're going to talk a little bit about um why we don't use the helicopter or snowplow words um <laughs> and why that matters. Hi, everybody. I'm Chamita Perel. Let me take a minute to tell you about the Boston Podcast Network. How would you like your own podcast? The Boston Podcast Network can produce one for you. Whether you're a lawyer, financial advisor, business owner, or really any kind of professional, you should have your voice heard through this exciting new medium. A good podcast is more powerful than traditional advertising. If a prospective client hears your podcast through their earbuds, you're already in their head, literally. Pod617.com will help you deliver a message and build relationships, clients, and centers of influence will delight in being a guest on your show. Go to Pod617.com to start planning. And in the meantime, listen to the great shows they've already produced. The Irreverent Bitchless Bride Podcast, the hilarious show known as Shawshanked, and the wild trip through the paranormal that is Monsterland. Be part of the Pod Revolution. Visit pod617.com. In pod, we trust. Okay, well, welcome back. Uh, we are here with Beth Devonshire and my co-host, Beth Grampetro. Uh, and you are listening to Twin XL, the podcast for parenting through the college years. Um, so came out of the, the last segment about I have, I have this thing. And while I will be very transparent and very straightforward with parents, um, and I will also say when parents are making me a little nutty, um, and that sort of thing. I, but I'm never going to label a parent uh, the helicopter word the, or the snow. Now it's snowplow or some mm -hmm. other kind of heavy or machinery. Or lawnmower sometimes. Lawnmower sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I think the, the reason for that is when I was doing some research um, for some parent orientation programs that I was doing, I found this great article um, about how 
<clears throat> basically, this generation of parent was the first generation of parent who had access to things like in vitro fertilization, adoption, things that really made parenting much more available to people. This is a generation of parent that really wanted to parent. Um, and I can empathize with that. Um, but I can also empathize with this idea that, you know, that this is a generation of parent that also we got away from the open doors and people going outside and playing and, and being a latchkey kid and all that. So there was this collision of over-programming your child and a, ch a desire to be a parent. And, you know, and you not to mention, you know, and this is a whole other podcast, but societally, yeah. the yeah. expectation is now there right. that you will know where your kid is 24-7. They yeah. will, you, you will engage them in all these activities. You will do all this. You, right. will, you will be an intensive and engaged parent or else you're doing it wrong or not doing enough. Yeah, Correct. I mean, I think back to my childhood and we had a pool in the backyard I think I saw my mother for maybe three minutes of that day oh with a giant pool <laughs> in the backyard. Did she have a cigarette in her hand? She did up until the point that I was 10 years old, and then she quit smoking. Okay. But, oh, I mean, because the phone cord only went so far. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so she couldn't leave her soap opera and That's watch right. us and yet at you the lived. same time. Right. Here you sit. <laughs> but I also think that it speaks to a level, you know, kind of that now we, we have a term for it, free-range yeah. parent. Yeah, because mm -hmm. you know, we label everything. But I also yes. think that it had an impact on all of us growing up where it never occurred to me that I couldn't do something. Like it never occurred yeah. to me that if I went to the store on my bike a mile away, I might get kidnapped. Like that, because mm -hmm. right. my mom gave me five bucks to right. get her cigarettes. Yeah, and I was going to say, and I Newport Lights in a box. <laughs> I still Park remember place. the order. <laughs> yeah. I need a garden of Newport Lights in a box. I'm 13. <laughs> but they didn't care. No. They, Nope. They sold it to you, and that's it. <laughs> Smoke them if you got them. That's right. You know, but but you're right. It's that there's that layer, and and I think that when you look at when I talk about parenting with these folks, and I'm like, look, when you're when you're in this mindset that for 18 years, 19 years, you have been completely enmeshed in it, it takes some time <laughs> to get back. The, no port lights in a box. I love it. Um, Dave just pulled, Dave does this thing where he like distracts us by putting shit up on on the screen. <laughs> so right now we're looking at some awesome 80s era ads for Newport Lights, yeah. and there are some white people. There looking is a major league one. extremely say, preppy the inclusive nature <laughs> of I know, right? <laughs> these are some these are some white college co-eds circa 1982 who are ready to smoke those Newport lights and, and apparently and, the and, and there's a furry um, anyway. person who's a furry okay and that's that might be another episode um more furries oh, there's more furries I'm putting um, these okay. images in the show notes okay thank you that's, that's good so we don't lose people completely so but anyway so you've got this idea of you know you've been over-programmed yourself. You're not just over-programmed your child. You've over-programmed right. yourself. And now you need to kind of like taper back. Just like when your mom quit smoking, yeah. she had to taper back. Okay, you have to taper back on the parenting and, and your inv involvement. You know, both of you guys, have you seen great examples of parents when they've engaged with you about, I know I shouldn't be having this phone call, but... Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know... Tricks from the trade. And it's hard, you know, because I think sometimes it starts, it shouldn't just start at that phone call. No. It should start at orientation mm -hmm. and educating parents as to why things are going to change. Mm -hmm. So it's, it, you can kind of ease them into it. And you can even say, okay, at orientation, we talked a little bit about this. Mm -hmm. You know, here are some steps. Because what I noticed um, when I was on a campus 
the more transparent and open you were in those parent orientation sessions, the less pushback you got yeah. when something happened. So I think laying that groundwork before that phone call comes, which leads to the, I know that they might not be able to tell me something. Yes. But And I also think that, you know, I've worked with students who, or the, well, I can't talk to you, but if you go get your student this mm-hmm. waiver, yeah. then I'd be happy to share some things with you. It might not be everything. And I also think I've worked with parents who have said, well, they won't sign a FERPA waiver. And I think there's an, a power in saying, well, help me understand here. So you pay your, your child's bills, your f- cell phone bills, your this, your that. You have a lot of power here. Could you possibly say to your student, if you don't go sign this, yeah. I'm not going to continue to pay your phone bill. Right. Like, Yes, some might call it blackmail, potato, potato. But I also think that you... Bribery, schmibery. <laughs> but that's a really useful tool because it, I don't think that from a student affairs professional, there was so much information that sometimes I wanted to share with the parent mm-hmm. and health mm-hmm. and safety emergencies aside, and we right. can talk about that, that I think it will help the parent. Because yes. I, in this whole notion of the, the lawnmower, the helicopter, isn't helpful because our, our goal, we have mutual goals of getting your child educated and graduated in the quickest and most efficient and least expensive process Mm -hmm. possible. Like, how are we not partnering on that more? And I think that that's something that we have some opportunity to change on campuses. Mm -hmm. Yep. And there are times, I mean, my work on campus was um, most recently in a health and counseling center. So so it's a little bit different in that um, we would encourage students to communicate with their families about what was going on. A lot of them did. Um, there was no need to sign a waiver. Right. They would just, you know, they would tell their parents what was going on anyway. Mm. There are situations where they don't want to. Mm. Um, and a lot of the time I could respect why they didn't want to because we're talking about stuff like, you know, they had to come in for like an STD test and they don't right. want to tell mom and dad. And even in those situations, their parents might actually have been fine with it, maybe worried, but like <laughs> not, you know, not going to blow their stack about it. But it was an interesting um it was an interesting time to try to work with those students to help them understand, like, yes, you you do have a right to privacy here, mm-hmm. and you do have a right to right. decide what your family is going to know about your life, and especially your personal, like, health physically and mentally. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, with students, um, sometimes I would really want to share information with their family, especially with mental health stuff. There are sometimes times when you are working with a student and you're just like, you need support from someone outside of this institution. Your family needs to be able to support you Mm -hmm. and to be able to talk with them and kind of reassure them, like, if you sign a waiver for your counselor Mm -hmm. to talk to your mom, they're not going to pull, like, um, for Mad Men fans, it's not going to be like when Betty's therapist in season (laughs) one or two, whatever that was, would call Don at the end of every session Mm -hmm. and tell him everything his wife had said in therapy. That's not how it works. It would be more a... Yes, Laura, your daughter is attending therapy regularly, mm-hmm. and we feel that she's doing yes. okay. Yes, and that's it. And that's it. And they want to make sure. Going back to to the comment earlier about we want to be partners. That is a partnership. It's that we have made this right. arrangement. She's supposed to be coming in once a week, or he's supposed to be coming in twice a week, and he hasn't been coming. We're mm-hmm. we are concerned. Can you give us some information? That That's a partnership, not a this is what we've been covering. And we're going to call every single day and let you no, know. Right. No. And I think there's also a misperception of FERPA covers educational records. It mm. doesn't cover your observations. So if I had a student yeah. who mm. came into my office. That's a very good point. I wouldn't 
necessarily. So I learned through my process that the student was uh, putting being put on probation, mm-hmm. right? And and looking at your FERPA policy, would you let your parent know about that because mm-hmm. it might be a, a health or safety emergency? But if during that conversation with the student, they started making references to opening up a grilled cheese station and how as soon as they left my office, they were going to go, and this is a real story, they were going to go <laughs> like and, I was wondering where we're going and here. buy a Lamborghini. <laughs> and, you know, and the speech was really mm, strange. Mm-hmm, and, mm. you know, in, in a, you know, taking them over to the counseling center, they weren't an imminent threat to self or others. Yet I knew that there was some sort of mental health crisis. Mm-hmm. Those are my personal observations. Not only are they health and safety, mm-hmm. but my personal observations warrant me, I would argue, to pick up the phone and call the parent and say, I just had a conversation with your student. They're acting in a manner that isn't consistent with right. a, a typical baseline. And in that say, in that case, the parent actually said, I'm so appreciative of this phone call. My wife had a call with him this morning, and he was all over the place. We're going to go get him. And the student was diagnosed with a manic episode for the first time ever. And I, so mm-hmm. I think that that notion, because let's face it, Cho, everybody said, well, we didn't talk about Cho because of FERPA, and we were going to get Explain sued. Explain what Cho was. Sorry, the, she's was, going down yeah. the legal thing. <laughs> <clears throat> now we're going legal talk with Beth. Go. So this would be the first mass shooter that everybody associates with. You know, and and I think when you look at what happened at Virginia Tech, people knew all over the place. I mean, in residence life, he was stabbing a floor, you know, with a knife. The RAs never told anybody. An English professor had major concerns. The English professor is actually the only one who who said anything and said, Mm -hmm. I'm very concerned about these writings. These don't make sense. But they didn't have a care team. They didn't have a threat team. So you had all these pockets of information and nothing got to where it was because everybody was afraid of FERPA. Right. You know, and I think that in some ways we weren't helping ourselves out. And if you look at FERPA, there's enough exceptions to drive a truck through. Yes. So why are we not using these more? Mm -hmm. So... Great transition. Um, after the break, we're going to talk about why we would break quote unquote FERPA. <laughs> From Pod617.com and Hirsch Roberts Weinstein LLP, it's Higher Ground featuring higher education attorney John Graff. We are dealing with issues that are breaking on an hourly basis sometimes in higher ed. What we wanted to do was actually bring the information to the listener at a time when it's convenient for them. Succinct, brief, punchy discussions with people who have experience and particularly through the lens of the people on the ground in higher ed. Higher Ground, presented by the law firm of Hirsch Roberts Weinstein LLP. Find all episodes at pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network. In pod, we trust. Okay, well, welcome back. And uh, it's been nice having uh, another Beth in the room. You can never have too many. No. 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 Are you Elizabeth or Beth? I am just a Beth. My mother (gasps) had... Same. Yeah. Yay. (laughs) I I once asked my mother, and she instilled such self-confidence in me. She said, I wasn't convinced that you'd be, you know, before 10 years old, you'd be able to spell Elizabeth Carvala, which is my maiden name. So we just decided to call you Beth. I didn't think you'd be a good speller, just the way you came out of the womb. mom. Yeah. Thank you. Well, because you smoked all those cigarettes. Cigarettes. (laughs) Yeah. In my baby book, there is a picture. And my mother is literally nine and a half months pregnant. And she's at the Franklin Park Zoo in Boston. 
and she's looking at a llama, and her stomach <laughs> is like the size of a Volkswagen, and she has a cigarette hanging mm. out of her mouth. And the next, there's two pictures of her holding it in her mouth. <laughs> then the next one, she's blowing smoke in the face of the llama. <laughs> And that gives you a lot of information. Okay. On brand. On brand. <laughs> Very on brand. All right. So <clears throat> so there's campuses that may decide to break FERPA, okay? And before the break, uh, Beth Devonshire was talking about calling parents and talking about observations, which I think is a really good point because that's always, you know, frankly, all the conversations I've had with parents, and there's been a million of them, they just want to know if the kid's okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And um, there's that idea of like some campuses are going to hide behind it. Now, if you're going into, if we're going into summer, we're going into orientation season, um, if you're going to your child's orientation, ask the question, how do you treat FERPA? Because if you're on a, a private campus versus a public campus, you're going to get two very different interpretations of this and give them an example. Okay, so if you say, I, I'm, I'm wondering about, if I'm concerned about my child, who can I talk to? And how much information are you going to share with me? And, and uh, frankly, test them. It's okay to test them. Mm -hmm. Because if they say something like, well, we won't even call you. And, it, I mean, there's very few schools, I think, that right. still fall into that category. But there, should, there could be. There could very well be. Um, so, you know, there's that piece there about that. And then there's, you know, one of the things that I always say to parents is, you know, that also includes things like passwords. If your uh -huh. kid is sharing their passwords with you um, and, it, you know, that it's literally right now one Beth is scratching her eyes out. The other Beth's eyeballs are up into the back of her head. <laughs> you know, it, it's I have literally had parents who are like, I've been logging on to my son's email mm. every day, mm -hmm. three times a day. And I have responded. And I know it's you who's responding, parent, because you don't start the the email like a nineteen year old kid yo yo exactly because <laughs> hey, hey miss hey hey because that with the emails from the students are like sup uh, well and it's yeah. and it's a mix between in my experience I used to get some who were logging into their students email account and would just be honest about it was that fact right. that it was them yeah and then the ones that would pretend would be like this is this is Jeremy. <laughs> they actually no, put not. on like a mustache and glasses <laughs> when they do it, so they can uh, they can say. Well, it's not even just the password, mm. you know, the email. Mm. It's the way in which things are set up now. You know, whether it's Banner or whatever, if they mm -hmm. have access to the SID account, yeah, they can access oh, yeah. everything. Their they grades, can. their this, and and there are some schools that actually put in the FERPA waiver right there so the mm -hmm. student can just go in and sign it oh, and wow. then kind of go back so yeah. it actually communicates with the record so it's wonderful because you might say the student can go back in and trump if the parents had you know logged in and it was like give us access to everything the student can go back in and be like no no yeah. and, and and i want to say something before before we get on that is a student could go back anytime and change the ferpa waiver absolutely and that, so you know i've seen this many times where there's been a, a divorce a messy divorce mm. and a parent will come and then you'll get a kid come in and say my my dad is paying the bills but i don't want him to have any access to right. any information mm -hmm. um you know or vice versa right. or whatever the case may be that they've i've seen that happen where they've they've been very specific on that ferpa form and 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 so that's another reason that if the if you call a school and the people are like look i've got to check the ferpa don't assume it's just a quick yes no there are some very complicated matters and i know that from my perspective if i'm going to talk to a parent i want to know that i've got all the details before i say anything and it 
it should. Your FERPA waiver for schools, I mean, you know, and, and I get it for parents, it probably sunsets. You know, so mm-hmm. you might have signed it last year, and that might have only covered last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or it might go into exactly what can be covered. Right. So that you can, it's not carte blanche, you sign this FERPA waiver, and you get to mm-hmm. skip through your whole entire Forever. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and everybody tr- treats it differently. Right. Every institution, mm-hmm. every general counsel, everybody says, okay, this is this is our philosophy. This is how we right. treat things. This is our parent. Uh, this is the way we want to communicate with parents. This so, is more of a divorce anecdote. <laughs> than a FERPA, well, divorce and FERPA anecdote, not really about forms. But when I was a grad assistant at UMass Amherst uh, in residence life, it was move-in day. Mm. And a young lady came and checked into her room with her mom, and they went off to wherever the room was to move her things in. And maybe 20 minutes later, this man shows up, and he's like, my daughter just checked in, but I don't know her room number. Can you? I need to go meet oh, her wow. and her mother. Mm. Can you tell Let's me her room number? And I was like, no, I can't tell you that. And he got very mad. And I called my supervisor over because, of course, he, I got a, can I speak to your manager? Yeah. <laughs> so I let Please him. Please do so. Please. And, and that my, I want to speak to someone in a tie. Yeah, basically. I've heard that many and times. he was like, no, we can't tell you. Like, sorry, like, if you know, like, call, why don't you call her and ask her what the room is? Like, we can't give you that information. We found out later from the student that they had a restraining order against him. Yeah. So there are times when, like, yeah, it's there yeah. for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it is going to be difficult for all the reasons we've talked about when um, staff or faculty or whoever at your student's school, you know, utilize this appropriately and say, I'm sorry, I can't share that information. Right. It's going to frustrate you, but there are reasons why. And I think it also combines with, you know, this generation and the one before it put everything out on social media. Mm-hmm. So there's also that kind of confusion. So, but I could go on my student's Facebook or, mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. Instagram account and find out this information, but you can't tell me. Mm-hmm. Correct. That's correct. That's yeah. correct. I understand. <laughs> yeah. I understand that that's frustrating for you. I, mm-hmm. I, at various, you know, I've worked at five different schools, and at various institutions, I've heard the same version of this quote, so I'd like your thoughts on this. No one has ever been sued for violating FERPA when they are acting in the best interest of the student. You could end it as no one's ever been sued for violating FERPA. Boom. Period. Or I have also Ba-da-ba. heard there there are no FERPA police. No, because there aren't. <laughs> right. Well, there are folks yes, who there are go people that enforce, yes. but there's no <laughs> private right to action under FERPA. Right. So if there is a violation, and, and this is part of it too, the parents actually don't have the right to sue you under FERPA, mm-hmm. right, or to you know bring some sort of complaint against you. It would actually be the student because mm-hmm. they own the record. Yeah. So the parent might say, "Well, I don't like this. I'm going to complain to to the FERPA folks," and you can say, "Please do so." It's <laughs> like Mr. Bookman <laughs> on Seinfeld. The the uh, police officer at the, <laughs> at the library <laughs> library police is, it, is there a f- FERPA police? Yeah. No, and, and I think and then what it ha- what comes back is is there a continuing pattern of mm-hmm. violating the spirit of yes. FERPA? And let's let's so let's talk about why you might why an institution might call. Okay, go ahead. What, call call the like break FERPA yeah. like why might this, we like, call why parents? might we call parents? Yeah, and I think it's. You have a whole laundry list of ways in which you could. So, uh, you know, number one, and I think that this is across the board, health and safety. And, yeah. You know, so that's you are concerned one. about your student. And I think that that's a pretty broad exception because mm-hmm. um, you can use it as, well, we're concerned when um, your student is is now losing residency. Right. And that is going to pre- prevent or present a health and safety 
exception for us because we don't know where your student's going to live. Right. So sometimes they will CC the student or they'll CC the parent and let them know. If your student is under 21 and has a drug or alcohol issue. Mm -hmm. So I know that some schools handle this in different ways. Some schools will make it a, quote, sanction. I'm actually not a huge fan of that. Mm -hmm. I think it's actually a better practice to say if your son or daughter or your student has been in violation of the alcohol or drug policy and they're under 21, we notify you. And Mm -hmm. I think that there's, you know, there's well-crafted letters that can say, we want to partner with you, you Mm -hmm. know, to learn the details about this, talk to your student. However, we're letting you know that X, Y, and Z is happening. Mm -hmm. Um, But those are usually the the typical ones off campus with the parents. I mean, internally, there's the, you know, folks with the legitimate educational interest. Mm -hmm. So I can talk to uh, the student's academic advisor and say, mm-hmm. I have some concerns about the student. Can you talk to me about this? It mm-hmm. allows the disability services folks to call me and say, hey, Beth, listen, I know that this student is registered. I'm not going to go into the medical stuff, but we need to have an accommodation here. Can we work together? So mm-hmm. though internally, it, it works as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also, if a student is transferring, Yep. And there is a discipline record. You can actually talk to the school in which they're transferring, and they can mm-hmm. talk to you. So th- there's a FERPA exception there as well. Right. And this is where it's really important for parents to have that conversation mm-hmm. at orientation or at some point in your student's transition to the campus with the folks on campus about how they typically do it. So particularly if you have a student who has um, mental health issues or mm-hmm. a, a chronic illness or a disability, those mm-hmm. offices specifically, it's a great idea to go right to health and counseling and or disability services and say, hey, how do you typically partner with parents? Yeah, what, right. what, you know, and, and under what circumstances would you call me, you know, just regardless of whether my kid has signed a waiver or not? Right. Um, because, mo- uh, well, I won't say most because I don't know. Most campuses I have worked on, um, Truly, like, if there's a health and safety issue to the point of, like, your kid went to the hospital and is in pretty dire straits, we right. would obviously we call would the obviously parents. Call yeah, and I think <clears throat> there's always that adage, pick your lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and I think, so that goes back to your first question mm-hmm. about, you know, am I going to be sued under FERPA? But it's, you're, there's a pretty good chance we're all going to be sued at some point mm-hmm. in, in our time in, in higher ed. Myself included, but it's um, when you are <laughs> acting. <Merit> yeah. <laughs> when you are acting in the best case, and I, and I think that there's something to be said. Can you look at yourself in the mirror? Right. The reason mm-hmm. that you made this disclosure, whether or not you know, and chances are, if you made a disclosure, probably didn't violate FERPA. Mm-hmm. And you know, and let's face it, if the students in indep- if they're dependent, that's also another one. But I would still say get a waiver. Mm-hmm. Um, no harm, no foul. Like if you really can look at yourself and say, the reason that I picked up the phone is because I was so concerned about your student. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that that's the reason to do it. Yep. Yep. Well, I think that, you know, that was, this has been, I think a very important episode because people need that partnership. If there is going to be one message that a parent gets out of this is create a partnership with the institution, Um, use orientation as a time to gather information. And the other thing is find your ally on campus. You are going to meet a lot of really great people on the campus. Mm -hmm. We've talked about this before. There is no better place for a child to fail than a college campus because there are a million people there who are trying to help them succeed. Find the person that you connect with the most. If your kid has a disability, then you could work with the disability services office. That might be where your champions are. If it's with the dean of students office, if it's if with a coach, whatever is out there, but build a partnership. So 
I want to thank Beth Devonshire for coming Thanks in. Thanks for having me. And she found her way here. She's a little directionally challenged. And, and where so can people find you if yeah, they would like to know more about you? Or... They could uh, email me, mm. actually, at, I know, do you give out emails? Yeah, yeah. Okay. we do that. <laughs> so um, I always say you can email me directly at B Devonshire, D-E-V-O-N-S-H-I-R-E 76 at gmail.com. Don't call me because <laughs> she won't pick up. <laughs> the, phone, the phone cord doesn't reach all the way out to the pool. It doesn't. It doesn't. Okay. <laughs> well, but email is always best. And how cool. do they find us, Beth Grampetro? They can find us on Twitter at TwinXLPod. You can send us an email at TwinXLPod at gmail.com. We would love to take your questions or hear suggestions for topics you'd like us to cover. And remember, go to our website where you can see show notes, links, and we always give you homework because this is an educational podcast. <laughs> and we would like to thank our producer, David Yaz. Yay. <laughs> I'm just happy to be here and be <laughs> part of this historic process. Thank you. <laughs> Talk to you next time. If I hear you calling, but I can't come home right now. Me and the boys are playing, and we just can't find the sound.